Diverse voices. Unique sound. Not the same old thing. Different, different. This is NOCO FM. In 2006, Sam Cawthorn had a head-on collision with a semi-truck and lost his arm and severely damaged his left leg, leaving him in the hospital for five months and in a wheelchair for a year. For so many people, this would have been devastating and maybe one of the ending chapters of their life. They may have given up and just decided that this was enough. Life had given them enough hard knocks, but not Sam. Sam went on to become Australia's Entrepreneur of the Year and CEO of the Speakers Institute and Speakers Tribe, teaching people the value of their story and how they can communicate and better illuminate the world. Tonight, he shares his amazing story with us and gives us insight into the gift of our own stories. Welcome to The Spark. I'm your host, Stephanie James. You have lived this amazing life and had your own journey that brought you right here to where you are. You've been Young Australian of the Year and the Australian Entrepreneur of the Year and living this life that you obviously feel really lit up about. But like all of us, you had to go through some really tough times. Can you talk about a little bit of your story, the life journey before and now? Yeah, yeah, look, absolutely. So I I was basically um, based in Tasmania there with my large family of 11 mums, Indian fathers, Scottish. And I always knew deep down within that there was something big and something more in my life. However, I was a shy kid. And I started mixing with a really negative group of people. They influenced me in a really toxic way. And I found myself getting kicked out of school. So my disclaimer is that I've never sat an exam before in my life. I never finished high school, certainly haven't got a university degree or anything like that. But I always knew deep down within, as I was saying, that there was something big and something more in my life. So I had to then change the proximity of people around me. And it was at this time then I managed to get a great government job for the Australian government as a youth futurist. And it was in this job where I had a major car accident. The police said it was a 206 kilometre, around 140 miles an hour, head-on collision with a large semi-trailer truck. I was pronounced dead at the scene, obviously resuscitated because I'm speaking to you right now. But I was on life support for a week uh, in hospital for five months and then in a wheelchair for an entire year. The injuries I I had, which was an amputated right arm above the elbow, and also I had six broken ribs, lacerated liver, punctured kidney, both my lungs had collapsed, Uh, my leg was completely shattered. And it was certainly a really tough, that's really interesting though is one of my students, he, his name is Paul, and this guy Paul, he was, he was diving in Sydney Harbour, and this guy Paul, he had a shark attack, and he had his arm and his leg bitten off by a shark. And the most fascinating thing that I was thinking of is that I was comparing my story to someone else's story. 
And I feel that everyone has a story, right? Everyone's got experiences that they've been in. Some people think that they don't have a story, but I think everyone has a story. And I believe that our story is our number one trump card. Uh, No one on the planet has your story. Whereas for me, I was thinking all I've had is just a car accident. Like my story isn't good enough. It's not good enough compared to these other people. And the, the reality is one thing I realized that it's not about the content of your story. It's more about the methodology, how you say the story. And so you, you can meet amazing celebrities and you know that they've got an amazing story, but after five minutes, they make you bored. But at the same time, you can get someone who's just talking about going down to the local supermarket and back, but it's like an edge of the seat thriller. And so for me, I realized earlier on that, wait a sec, I do have a story. And if I learn how to share this story, maybe I could actually start a brand new career path. And so it was from that accident that I actually then learned how to craft a story in a really powerful way that I can actually get paid to share my story. So fast forward 15 years, I'm now a professional speaker. I share my story with audiences all around the world. I've shared the stage with uh, President Bill Clinton, with the Dalai Lama, Richard Branson, and even Michael Jordan. Uh, and it was all from me just realising that I do have a story and I can share that story in a powerful way to actually make a difference in other people's lives. So cool. I think that's one of the most incredible things, right? What an incredible gift to feel like, through your own experience, you're helping people see themselves, see the potential within them to have hope within themselves. Yeah, without a doubt. And particularly right now during a crisis, there's so many people that are going through a really tough time, whether it's in their finances, relationship, their career pathway, even what's going on with changing government. And then on top of that, then you've got Black Lives Matter and all the stuff that's going on in the world right now. Some of it's in our control, some of it's outside of our control. But certainly it is about knowing that there's always hope, that there is light at the end of the tunnel. And I want to ask you, how did you find that? Sam, when you were in a wheelchair for 12 months and in the hospital for five, so many people would have just given up or gotten depressed and been like, yeah, my life is over. I lost part of my arm. What was that like for you? Yeah, so something I do talk a lot about is proximity is power. Tony Robbins actually initially uh, mentioned it. But for me, that certainly was a real tipping point for me because ultimately before my car accident, when I got kicked out of school, I was hanging around with a very toxic group of people and they influenced me in a really negative way. And so ultimately, when I changed my proximity, then I started to actually see results in my life. And so that's exactly the same when I was going through that really tough time. And for me, it was as simple as my family. I get this. I I remember I'm lying there in my hospital bed and I was feeling really sorry for myself. And it was more about that my kids would have to grow up with a disabled father. 
and so I, I felt I didn't know how my kids were going to react. So my four-year-old girl, I remember so clearly, the last time she saw me, I was throwing her up in the air with both arms, we were running, skipping. Now suddenly here I am laying in a bed with only one arm. I didn't know how she, gonna, she was going to react. So I remember I was lying there in my hospital bed and out the corner of my ear, I remember hearing my little girl. She was singing and she was skipping, right? Like she always does, but this time right down the end of the hospital hallway. And I sat up in my bed and my eyes started to well up, not knowing how she was going to react, not knowing if she was going to accept daddy for what had happened. And I'm staring at the door, just waiting for her to come in. And suddenly I remember seeing these two tiny little hands. She grabbed hold of the door and she peered in and our eyes just met and she ran into the hospital room, tears running down my face. And she jumped up on the bed and she goes, Daddy, did, did you have a car accident? And I said, yes, I had a car accident. And she goes, Daddy, did you lose your arm in the accident? And I said, yes, I lost it. I lost my arm. And she goes, Daddy, the doctors, they couldn't find it anywhere? She, she literally thought they just had to find my arm and sticky tape it back on. But, but the thing about it is my kids have never said, Dad, I wish. Dad, I wish you had two arms. They've never said it. So certainly the proximity around me from my family, my colleagues, my friends were, were, were a real a major contributing factor to my rehabilitation, both mentally, emotionally, spiritually, even physically as well. Beautiful. Yeah. I think it was Jack Canfield, success principles, talking about that you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with. So when you were running around with that other gang, the people you were spending time with were not lending themselves to your well-being. Yeah, and that also begs the question for anyone at all that's listening, because in all reality, right, that, that uh, like the people that you spend time with, do they uplift you or they, do they bring you down? When you leave a conversation, do you feel inspired to take on that next chapter? Well, when you leave a conversation, do you feel inspired to actually go out there and make a difference? Or when you leave a conversation, do you feel drained? Do you feel as if someone's just sucked all the happiness out of you? Do, do you feel as if that you've just been gossiping about what's going wrong in the world? Who do you hang out with? Because again, we are the average of five, which then means three people in your world, they need to be there that you aspire to be towards. Just think about it. Like a lot of the time we have people and they say, I'm going to be there because I want to uplift them. I'm going to be there to help them. But just remember it's average of five. So two people, yes, you can be for them, you can uplift them, but three people have to be there for you to uplift you, to cheer you on, to encourage you towards what's possible. Yes, you're right, it's average of five. That is so great and so important. And so how do people find those people? Because I think we, so often we hear right now, misery loves company, we're hearing the negative news that can also be a really contagious thing, this, the negativity. Yeah. Yeah, so what, one thing that I would really encourage everyone is think about the sacrifice that you need to make to actually invest in that type of level of proximity, yeah? And so I do believe that our pride gets in the way to actually putting a hand up and saying, hey, I need help. 
And, and particularly when you've seen a certain level of success, when you've seen a certain level of success, when everyone says, well, you're amazing, you're a great coach and mentor, wow, you're awesome. And then, then that ego, then obviously that'll rise up within you. And then all of a sudden, then you think, I don't really need help. I don't need to put my hand up and say, hey, I really need some help. So for me, it's more about what is the sacrifice or investment that you need to put in order for you to actually find the right mentors in your life that you're curious about what they say, that you listen to them and allow yourself to be coached and allow yourself to be accountable to someone. And that's a really important one. Who are you accountable to? So for me, you know, I've written nine books. I'm about to release my 10th, a couple of big international bestsellers. You know, I've got five companies all turning over a million bucks. So for me, I've already seen a certain level of success, but trust me, I have mentors, I have coaches in my life and I listen to them and I'm accountable to them. And what's really interesting, right, get this, is that my mentors and my coaches and my top three, in a way, and my five, they agitate me. Like they annoy me and sometimes they make me angry. So who are those people that actually, that you allow to get under your skin, that you allow to actually speak into your life, that you're accountable to? For me, that is key in order for you to go from where you are today to where you really want to be. Yeah, I, I do also, I, I feel like I say that constantly to my clients that our growth edge is never comfortable. And so if we're just coasting and we're too comfortable, we're probably not growing a lot. Without a doubt, you know, we've all heard comfort zone, get outside of you and so on and so forth. But certainly for me, it is the sacrifice and the investment that you need to put in order for you to find those people that you're willing to be accountable to. Yeah. And, and that helps push you into that. I, I love the analogy too of the agitation is like the sand in a clam. That it's that agitation is what creates something beautiful. That's what creates the pearl. And without it, something beautiful isn't formed. Oh, 100%. Diamonds are made through pressure and, and through crisis comes the greatest of opportunity. Even if you study throughout the history of time, whether it's World War One, World War Two, 9-11, global financial crisis, you'll see some of the greatest of opportunities, the greatest of investments, the greatest of possibilities were derived from those crisis moments. Let's rewind back to a moment. So one of your crisis moments, you have this horrible crash, you're in the hospital for a long time in a wheelchair. What happened next? How did you launch into this incredible career and just this, this life-giving experience that you're having? <laughs> it was really organic, actually. A lot of my rehabilitation team, their entire focus for me, the occupational therapists, the physios, doctors, nurses, they're their entire focus for me was to get me back to that same job, but to get me back to as close as I can to a life that I had before my accident. But the reality is something had changed, not only physically, but also emotionally, mentally, spiritually. So I was no longer focused to go back to where I'd been. So for me, uh, it was around this time where a small uh, a school just asked me, actually, first of all, it was a youth group, asked me to, sh to go in and share my story. So I was still in a wheelchair, I went and shared my story. And then from there, then another school asked me to share my story. So I went and shared my story. I didn't even know about this speaking industry. Yeah? 
and then there was another school, then another school. That was really interesting. And, you know, it was, uh, I remember my first ever corporate gig, right? And, and I remember they were paying me $3,000 for a one hour. And for me, I'm thinking, man, this is the most amount of money I've ever earned for one hour. And so they flew me through to the Gold Coast. And here I am at the six-star hotel, Palazzo Versace. The MC gets up on stage, introduces me. Actually, it was really interesting. The speaker before me, I was looking at that speaker and I'm thinking, and I was like fully judging that speaker. I was saying, look what they're wearing. Look how they dress. Look, um, look at their gestures. They're not emotionally moving us. They're not pausing. They're too Red Bull, blah, blah, blah. And I thought I was the next best thing to slice bread. So the MC gets up on stage, introduces me. I get up on stage and I was a little bit nervous. And yet when you get nervous, your palms started to sweat, your heart starts to beat really fast. And, uh, and the reality is I'd practiced all one hour presentation. So I started to deliver that one hour presentation. And again, what happens when you're in that adrenaline, you start speaking a little bit faster to what you'd prepared. So I delivered my one hour presentation and I looked up at the clock up at the wall and it was only 20 minutes in. And I'm thinking, man, this is crazy. And, and, there, and I had no other material. I had nothing else. I'd prepared for a one hour. Actually, just on a side note, yeah. those people that are ever uh, get asked to present always prepare at least twice as much. Why? Because there's been seven times in my professional speaking career where the event manager will come up to me and say, hey, Sam, the next speaker, they've missed their flight. They're sick. They're unwell. Family tragedy, blah, blah. Would you be ready to do a second keynote for us? And nowadays... I'd say, yeah, man, I was born ready, yeah? But on that particular day up there in the Gold Coast, Palazzo Versace, I had no other content. So about three months beforehand, like guys, we're talking 12, 13 years ago, yeah? So about three months before that gig, I went to a Tony Robbins seminar, yeah? So I started to say all these Tony Robbins quotes and these stories, which were completely irrelevant to my actual message. And I literally just did this verbal vomit, it was crazy. And then after I had nothing else, like I was trying to do a Q&A, looked up the clock up at the wall and it was now another 20 minutes. So now we're 40 minutes. I hadn't, and so I had nothing else to give. I thanked my audience and I walked off stage. The audience were giving me this half-hearted clap. And anyway, the event manager came to the side of the stage, like right there when everyone was wondering what was going on. And she said to me, is this some type of joke? Have you actually finished? And I said, yeah, that's it. And this is what she said. She said, that wasn't quite what we had expected. We will never book you again. Mm. And I was devastated flying back through to my hometown and I'm thinking, am I good enough? Am I worthy? I'm a nobody. I never finished high school. I come from a poor family. I'm from Tasmania. Who'd want to listen to me? Failed English. The only thing I've got going for me is I've had a car accident. I'm not good enough. I'm not worthy. And got back home, I was there, you know, well, high school sweetheart, she really believed in me. So right then and there, my wife and I, get this ready, we made a decision. And get this, the word decision comes from the Latin word deserate, incision. Cision means to cut, yeah? And the word side, suicide, pesticide, or decide, the word side means to kill. So get this, the word decision means to cut off and kill. So my wife and I, we made a decision right then. And the decision was we had to learn how to do it. So then over the next couple of years, we spent about $300,000 to actually upgrade this, to upgrade myself. I went to the best coaches, mentors on the planet 
and I learned this as a skill. A lot of people say, hey, Sam, uh, you've got the gift of the gab. No, no, I didn't. I was a poor, shy kid. And so this is a skill that can be learned. It's amazing. If people could see you, I, I wish I could just have this on YouTube because it's, it's dynamic to hear you, but to see you speak. Yeah, I, I feel like I'm over here having 12 different emotions every <laughs> few minutes. You know, it's, it's awesome. So, so you really invested in you. You made the decision that you're going to just grab this and make your story like this internal sense of you that then you bring to other people. Yeah, look, absolutely. Look, for me, I wanted to be a professional speaker. And listen to that word. It, it's a profession. I'm a professional speaker. You know, a few years ago, I spoke in Japan in front of about 8,000 people. President Bill Clinton spoke the previous year. And after I'd finished, there was a big sort of long line, two, 300 metres of a whole heap of people lining up just to get my autograph, photo, et cetera. This lady came up to me. She was bawling her eyes out, crying and crying. And she just handed me a piece of paper. She couldn't say anything. She walked away. And later on at the end of the event, the, the event manager, she handed me an envelope and I just put both pieces of paper in my pocket. And anyway, flying back through to Sydney, I was reminded of these two pieces of paper. So I got the first bit of paper from the audience member that was crying. Yeah? And she goes, and she said, the last few months I've lost everything, lost my marriage, my job, my kids. I was going to end my life. This event was the last thing I was going to do and I was going to take my own life. And, and so then from there, I continued to read the letter and she goes, thank you so much for giving me hope. Thank you so much for sharing with me that there's light at the end of the tunnel. And then at the end of the letter, literally had tears running down my face. She goes, thank you so much for saving my life. It was unbelievable. And then I reached in my pocket, got the second bit of paper and it was that envelope and I undid it from the event manager. And it was my, and it was my remittance for my 25,000 US that I got to speak at that event. So I share this story with everyone that yes, we're in the top 001% quartile, the highest paid people in the world per hour. Yeah, professional speaking. However, we actually save people's lives. We actually make a difference in people's lives. And for me, that was a total game changer. And guys, just remember that there is a difference between professional speaking and public speaking. Yeah, I'm a professional speaker, which then means I speak in closed room events. The public speakers, we all know. Why? Because in the public, Tony Robbins is a public speaker. Jack Canfield was a public speaker. Brian Tracy, public speaker. Yeah, so, so there's a public, whereas I'm a professional speaker. And there's, there is a big difference. And they're two different professions. I had never heard that distinction before. So I'm so glad you're talking about that. Yeah, such a powerful yeah, story. And look, I'll just explain that a little bit more because I, I think it's important for people to really catch this as well, yeah? yeah? Is that a professional speaker, we don't sell on stage at all. As a professional speaker, we get paid to speak on stage a message and deliver a message. There's no back end. For a lot of professional speakers, they don't have a huge list. They might have a list of two, 300 people, that's it. And these are bureaus, agents, PCOs, professional conference organizers, event managers, HR, et cetera. And so these are professional speakers. They do not have a big following. Why? Because they get paid to speak on stage with no back end. You can't sell your product, blah, blah, blah. So then the basement level of a professional speaker is if you don't speak, they get paid. There's no back end. You, you, a lot of stages you can mention your website, let alone your e-learning program membership, et cetera. You can't. 
you get paid to speak on that's a profession. Now the public speakers, the good thing about a public speaker is that I speak when I want, how I want, how long I want. Professional speaking, they tell you when you can speak, when you can't speak, how long you can speak on. Public speaking, I can speak when I want, how long I want, and I can actually spend a lot more time in transforming your life. On top of that, you need a big back end, you need a team. On top of that as well, you've got to learn how to sell from stage. So there's good things and bad things about public speaking. There's good things and bad things about professional speaking, but they're two, diff- two different industries. And for those people that are listening, if you're interested in speaking, choose one. You can't do both. And so for you, what made you choose professional over public? Yeah, so for me, I did professional speaking and I'm still a professional speaker, but around seven years ago, I then started to do public as well. So I had to make it big in one before I had to then go go across to the other. So for me, it was very organic, really. I just wanted to make a difference and I just learned then how to speak on stage. And then before you know it, I was uh, speaking all around the world. So it was very organic for me. I just wanted to make a difference. But the tipping point for me was after I was speaking on stage and being more of a solopreneur, one or two support team, that's it. I realized that there are other people out there that needed to learn how to share their story and needed to learn this industry. And I was like the overnight kid, yeah? He's a guy, no one at all knew who he was, and then suddenly within two, three years, he's now in the top five of, of the best professional speakers in the world. And so then I just started to train a couple of other people, and then before here they are in the top tier speakers, and people went to them saying, how did you do it? And they said, oh, Sam taught me. So before it was very organic how I then started my company, which is Speakers Institute. Google then asked me to come in and spend some time in teaching how to share stories and how to present. And then I said, hey, look, can we get your bigger auditorium and can we bring in some of the public? And they said, yeah, that's fine. So eight years ago, I then, we then launched Speakers Institute at Google headquarters. It was amazing. So cool. Is that in Seattle? No, it was actually the Google headquarters here in Asia. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So cool. So fun. So if, if people want to connect with you or find out more about the speaker training, how do they get in touch with you, Sam? Yeah, just type in Speakers Institute on any social media, on any browser. Just type in Speakers Institute and you'll see all of our online programs and our live events that we do all around the world. Yeah, as I was saying, we've got uh, bases all throughout Asia. We've recently launched in the US, whereas we do a lot, both live, face-to-face. However, obviously during COVID, most of it's all online. Your support means the world to us. Hi, it's Dr. Natalie Phillips from Connecting a Better World. Everything we do here at NOCO FM is member-supported. From the music we play to our original podcasts and live shows, all of that costs money to produce, and we can't do it without you. Become a member today and invest in the programming you enjoy so we can create more together. Learn more at noco.fm. Racism isn't just hate crimes. Racial slurs are things deemed socially unacceptable. It's the racist joke your coworker made at work. It's making assumptions about black people based on racist stereotypes. It's the things that some claim are harmless. They're not harmless. Silence is violence. Speak up.
me ask you, Sam, as we began this conversation, there is so much going on in the world around us and so much challenge and difficulty. And there are times I know so often with the clients that I see where they really are losing hope. They really, number one, they can't find their voice. They can't find the value in their story. What, what is the message that you would like to share with, with those people right now that are struggling? The reality is that, first of all, it does start with hope, a belief that, wait a sec, there is more for my life, there is more for my influence, there is more for my family, there is more income, there's, there's more to do in this world. And sometimes we all think that we're at capacity, but I believe that we can enlarge our capacity. And so for me, yes, everything, first of all, starts with hope and a belief that, yes, we can make a difference. And then the moment that happens, then it's just simply about getting a mentor and a coach to help you go from where you are today to where you want to be. Simple as that. There is a proven formula that works. We certainly do bring in some of the best in the world from, from uh, Grinder, who's the grandfather of NLP. We've brought him in now seven times to help us build our curriculum. We've brought in the voice of Siri. Yes, that's a real voice. Her name is Karen Jacobson. We've brought her in to help us build our curriculum. We've brought in some of the best in the world. And the reality is this, is that if you want to transform yourself and if you believe and have hope that, yes, anything is possible, then surround yourself with the right proximity and make an investment, make a sacrifice and find someone that you admire, that you respect and be accountable to them and go from where you are today to where you really want to be. So, Because that's, for me, I just simply speak from what I did yeah, and this is obviously what we've now seen with our thousands of students all around the world. Awesome. So no matter what people's life circumstances are, they really can tap into something better. They can tap into something that does inspire hope within them and then possibly other people as well. Yeah, I'm just laughing here because the, the regimen is that a lot of people, they're really worried to put themselves out there because they're worried about what people think of them. And, and this certainly was a journey even that I had as well. If I release a video, maybe someone might not like it. And the bottom line is this, and if you're listening right now, you should write this down, yeah? If you don't have the haters, you're not making a big enough difference in the world. There's always going to be trolls and there's always going to be haters. But if you don't have the haters, then you're not making a big enough difference in the world. There will always be haters. There will always be trolls. And even one of my mates, Nick Vujicic, who's born with no arms and no legs, even he has the haters. And he's one of the most inspiring people you've ever met. So the bottom line is, is, if you're so worried about what people think of you, you're not going to have that breakthrough that you want. So it's about now finding out why do I worry so much about what people think of me rather than me going out there and making a difference. And so for me, it's either one or the other. And for me, I had to make that transition from going from, oh, worried about what people think of me. Wait a sec. I exist on this planet, but I have to make a difference. And that's what it's about. That's one of the things that lights me up and just feels so awesome is that sense of bringing your authentic essence, which feels like that is when you let go of the ego, you let go of having to be someone for someone else. And you're like, yeah, this is who I am. This is my story. Come on, preach it, girl. <laughs> Yeah, I find that my own daughters will say, oh, mom, you're being so goofy, you're being silly. And it's like, yeah, and this is who I am. I have this thing, I have to share this with you, Sam. I have this thing called the lollipop theory, 
And like when you're a little kid, you're like, I love lollipops and I'm going to have one. And you just love it. You don't care. And then you get to an age like junior high or high school. And you're like, I'm too cool for lollipops. I'm not going to have them. I don't want to look like a baby. And then you finally get to an age where you're like, yeah, I'm an adult. If that's something I enjoy, I can have it whenever I want. And it doesn't (laughs) matter what other people think. So I, I think that we all, yeah, it would really serve us if we could realize that we can have a lollipop whenever we want. The more yeah, authentic we are, the better the it. gift is that we bring to one another. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. But, but I think, as I was saying earlier on, everyone has a story. Everyone has a message. And if you feel that you're not good enough, upgrade your proximity and you'll find hope. Yeah. And what about, I'm really curious, for the people that don't know how to find a coach, people that are like, I can't afford a coach. I'm barely making my bills right now. I'm sure you've heard it all. Yeah, look, absolutely. Look, look, there's a lot of people out there that obviously are struggling. I think for me, uh, the very first thing is just be very mindful where you put your focus and where your energy goes. Because as we all know, where your energy goes, where your focus goes, energy flows. Yeah. And so for me, are you watching the doom and gloom Uh, in the world or are you watching an inspirational TED talk? Are you hanging around with people that are just talking negative in the world or are you hanging out with people that are actually encouraging you towards your dreams, your aspirations? So for me, that's very much the very first thing that you need to be mindful of. And then ultimately, if you really want to find a way, you'll find a way. And if you don't, you'll find an excuse. It's simple as that. Absolutely. Love that. I, I know that our time is coming to a close. I have absolutely loved every moment of this, being able to connect with you. Anything that you want to make sure that is communicated, I, I don't want to leave anything out, Sam. So if there's any other points or essential messages that you want to make sure get through. Yeah. So look, I, I really want to encourage people, particularly during this time, is be that hope in the world, be that inspirational voice in the world. And, and when you go on social media, post before you voyeur. And, and a lot of the time, it's very easy for us to go online and look at what everyone else is doing and saying rather than you go online first and actually give and contribute and bring inspiration, hope and light. So I want to really encourage you to post before you view, before you look, before you voyeur. And the more that you can do that, the more that you can actually start your journey of being an influencer worth following. Love that. Thank you, Sam. Thank you so much for being here. Yep. And look, I love your energy. I think your energy and your focus is amazing. So well done. And I'm certainly, you. you know, cheering you on. As I listen to Sam's story, what continues to amaze me is how these really difficult pain points in our lives can oftentimes truly become the part of us that once healed, it's like the gift that we give to the world. It's through these challenges that we can glean wisdom that then helps other people to heal, helps them to ignite their best life. 
I had someone just tell me the other day that it's not through when we're totally in our power and we're on top of the world that these gifts come to us. It's truly at times at our darkest moments when when we feel vulnerable and afraid and scared, that's when the breakthroughs happen. So we don't have to be afraid when these times come to us. If we can step back from the resistance that says, I don't want to feel this way. I don't want this to be my life. When we just pause and say, okay, this is happening. How can I best get through this 24 hours? Sometimes it's how can I best get through this moment, this breath. And as we do that, as we befriend the present moment and the process, then I think we actually aid in the healing of our lives. It quickens the healing process. And through that, then we're able to glean the gifts. We're able to find the gift in our ongoing story and seeing our journey as something that's this eclectic gathering of wisdom. And when we share these stories with other people, it helps them, number one, to help find these things within themselves, to give themselves permission to be human, to struggle to have challenges. Gosh, we all face challenges. We all face pain and difficulty. And we don't have to wear this mask of, I have it all together. Everything is perfect for me. You know, I know a lot of times as a therapist, as a transformational life coach, people are saying to me, oh, you've got it all together. And the truth is we never arrive at all together. I think it's so important to know that there are continued lessons. As long as we're breathing, there's something that we have to learn. You know, and healing happens in layers. So we never quite get to the point where it's all figured out. It's like we get to this beautiful point in our lives and then something else surfaces that needs to be healed. So let's give ourselves permission that we can acknowledge life is messy And we can be in that place where we don't have to be perfect, where we can be fragile with one another. We can be vulnerable. And from these places, we're able to really give each other the gift of authenticity, of humility, and of really this connection to this human experience that we all share. Remember, The Spark is your show, too. If you have questions, feedback on the show, or if you're going through something and need a little help, we'd love to hear from you. Continue the conversation with us at our website, thesparkpod.com, and on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. New episodes of The Spark air Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Mountain. To make sure you don't miss an episode, subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher Radio, or wherever you get your podcasts. The show is not a substitute for professional care by a doctor or other qualified medical professional and should not be considered medical advice. If you're having a mental or physical health crisis, please seek treatment immediately. The Spark is produced by NOCO Media Limited, which is solely responsible for its content. Thanks again for listening. This has been The Spark, igniting your best life. I'm Stephanie James.
This has been a production of NOCO FM.